We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast brought to you by FanDuel.com, the leader in one-week fantasy football. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined as always by Benny Ricciardi as we spotlight the second half, part two of our week three NFL action. Today, we'll be covering the running back, wide receiver, and kicker positions. You can always find Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at RotoCurve, RotoWire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings Playbook. You can also follow me on Twitter at JoshHayesFS and find me hosting the Daily Slant Show and writing for ProFootballFocus.com. Want to let you know that the Rotowire DFS podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you get a chance to rate and review us, please go ahead and do so. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Benny, what is going on, my man? And not too much. Uh, I, li- I like when we uh, get to talk about running backs and wide receivers. That's the the meat and potatoes of your fantasy rosters. Absolutely, absolutely. So we have some pretty interesting stuff here going on. Le'Veon Bell's back in the mix here. Uh, we have some uh, juicy matchups for some of these running backs that are priced outside the top tier. So we're going to give you some of our top uh, GPP and cash op- uh, options. We're also going to get into some uh, wide receiver plays there. There's some great guys at the top and some value plays there to sort of uh, save some salary cap pace. So we'll get into that. And then we have, we're going deep, deep analysis uh, on the kicker position, Benny. Well, you and I have had um, long heart-to-hearts about the absolute best way to evaluate kickers on FanDuel. And um, there's no sense in holding our research back. We're just going to have to let it fly and Mm -hmm. uh, let the good listeners know here on the Rotowire DFS podcast just exactly how you get it done uh, at the kicker position. So we'll break all that down here. But let's go ahead and start at the top here. Running backs here. Who's going to be some anchor plays for you here coming up in week three? Well, there's two guys at the top. I'm not really sure which one I'm going to take over the other one, but the two guys who I like the most um, are Lev Bell and Adrian Peterson up top. Um, Let's start with Le'Veon Bell for now. Uh, 1,300 yards rushing last year, 800 yards receiving, 80 catches, 11 touchdowns. I mean, the guy's an absolute stud. And Coach Tomlin had come out already and said that, you know, the minute he steps on the field, he steps back into the role that he had last year which, you know, if any of you guys out there played DFS last year, you know that, 
he was an absolute monster. Um, he had games of 20, 30, 40 points last year. His his floor was probably around like 18 to 20 points. You know, he had a ceiling of 40 points. I mean, he was a, a fantasy beast as, as much as anybody else could be. So I think that, uh, you know, that Rams D last week got gashed by Washington. Um, Matt Jones was running all over them. Even Alfred uh, Morris still had some yards against them. So I think that Bell is in a very good spot here. Uh, 8800 is a little bit expensive, but it's actually a lot cheaper than we were getting him for last year. Um, last year, you couldn't find this guy below $9,000 on most weeks. So I think that he is probably edging out Peterson a little bit for me, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he gets more work in the passing game, um, which is why I give him a slight edge here. But Adrian Peterson is also a very good option. I mean, he had 31 touches last week. 29 carries. He had two catches. Um, he didn't score a touchdown, so I think that changes this week. And if he gets the same kind of volume this week and is able to add a touchdown to it, you know, that's going to be a pretty good number for him. Um, basically, I think after the first week, they realized that in order for this offense to function, they got to feed this guy. They got to give him as many carries as they can give him because the more carries that they give him, the easier it makes life for uh, Teddy Bridgewater. It opens up the play action, lets some of those uh, fast receivers that they got on the outside get open a little bit, you know, one-on-one -on -one down the field. Bridgewater does have a pretty good arm, so he can sling it down the field, but he's not a guy that they want dropping back and throwing 35 to 40 passes. Um, that's just It's just not what he does at this stage of his career. You know, maybe later on when he's reading defenses better and they have some more skill position guys around them, um, that might change. But right now, Peterson is the workhorse. And they need him to be the workhorse. And, um, you know, like I said, we saw in week one what happens when they don't feed this guy and they try to go with a balanced, uh, you know, a balanced attack. So I think he's going to get just so many touches and you really can't argue with the volume that he's going to get. You know, he's a load to bring down. He's going to pick up a lot of yards. Again, the, the drawback with him, you know, him and Bell both have negatives. Bell very likely is not going to be the goal line guy. Um, D'Angelo Williams is, is probably going to be in there vulturing a touchdown here or there from Le'Veon Bell. But Bell just gets so much volume between the 20s that, you know, that that's where he really makes his, his mark. And Peterson's drawback is he doesn't do a ton in the passing game, although he did have like a 40-yard catch last week, um, which is the drawback for him. But the, the upside for him is he does get the goal line work, and he is going to see, you know, I mean, I would think no less than 20 carries at a minimum and probably 25 touches is, uh, you know, is a conservative estimate for what you're going to see for him. So those two guys are the two guys that I would be looking to pay up for this week. And again, for me, they're like one and one a um, I'll probably have exposure to both of them. If I run two cash game lineups, you know, their price is basically the same. So I'll probably have one in one lineup, one in the other. And I'm definitely going to have exposure to both of them, although probably not together because that would be a little restrictive. But um, I'll definitely have exposure to both of them in tournaments as well. I, I like that play there as well. I think I'm going to be a little bit more reserved than you are on Le'Veon Bell. I, there's no doubt that he's an absolute monster, the number one running back in the game last year, obviously. And I think you have to sort of list it with a small asterisk. Uh, because, you know, Adrian Peterson didn't play last season. But regardless, we, we are definitely talking about 1A and uh, and 1B. So I just want to see it for, for a week if, if that matters there. It is on the road against us, uh, St. Louis, who played some fairly stout defense against Marshawn Lynch there in, in week one. Obviously a different story uh, with Matt Jones in week two there, but that was on the road. I do feel like teams play um, much differently defensively, as, you know, uh, on the home on, uh, as opposed to 
on the road. And I, I wonder if Le'Veon Bell will be in a little bit of a pitch count, uh, you know, having no preseason, having come have to come off fresh. I mean, obviously he should be, um, you know, ready for the season there. But DeAndre Williams has fared pretty well there. So I wonder if we don't see more of like a 70-30, 65-35 split between the two just to make sure, um, you know, that they ease uh, Le'Veon Bell into the action. Having said that, though, I have no problem with anybody who wants to anchor their cash game there with him. You know, you do get a hundred dollar discount off of uh, Adrian Peterson uh, there as well. But um, Marshawn Lynch too for eighty seven hundred matched up in that juicy spot against Chicago to me is almost every bit as good uh, as Le'Ve- Le'Veon Bell and uh, Adrian Peterson there. So I I think we're talking about one A, one B, and one C. There's that's the top three tier for me, and then everybody else um, falls into tier two. In terms of anchor plays at the at the running back position here, I uh, want to talk about quickly um, some rankings here from um, one of our big bosses over at RotoWire.com. Jeff Erickson puts out his weekly uh, rankings, and they're out on on uh, the site here. If you go to RotoWire.com/slash/football, you'll see the uh, week three value meter from Jeff Erickson there. And so a couple guys that uh, become interesting here. He has T.J. Yeldon ranked. Um, Inside the top 10, or I guess, yeah, inside the top 10 at 10 overall against New England. How do you feel about TJ Yeldon as a you know potential value play on Fandle? I actually like Yeldon a, a good bit this week. Mm-hmm. Um, see, the thing I like about Yeldon is they really don't have a lot of, you know, he's basically the, the bell cow back for them. They really don't have a lot of other guys there. Um, you know, I think Toby Gerhardt might have started practicing this week, but... I mean, we've seen what he can do last year, and it's not really anything that's going to... Or know, can't do. <laughs> yeah, or can't do, right, is actually, is actually more like it. Which is um, be effective. So I think that... Yep. Oh, go ahead, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. Yeah, I was just saying, which is be effective. That's, that's yeah. The, yeah, so that, that's all you need to know about uh, um, him is that uh, he's no, he is worthless in terms of DFS or fantasy. So please continue. Yeah, yeah and I think, um, you know, that New England defense... <clears throat> There's really nothing special about that New England defense, you know. I mean, you could you could pass on them, you could throw on them, you know. You could basically, you know, the defense is not why New England is a good team, to be honest with you. And I think if Jacksonville wants to try to keep this game close, they're going to have to establish the run because if they're going to try to get into a shootout with Tom Brady, I'm sorry, that's just you know, I'll take Tom Brady over Bortles any day of the week in that situation. So I think the best thing they could do is try to slow it down, you know, make it a uh, you know, make it a grinded-out kind of game, keep the ball out of Brady's hands, and, um, you know, hope that they can get a couple turnovers here and there. So I would have no problem with Yeldon. I think he's going to see a lot of touches this week. I think that he um, should be able to pick up some yards against a, you know, somewhat weak defense, and I think that he does actually make for a pretty decent play. All right, so let's talk about some guys here in your mid-tier price or mid-to-lower tier, uh, aside from TJ Yeldon. In there, um, I know that you, you're on Carl's high this week. This is an interesting um, situation here overall. So, um, let's hear about your case for Carl's high. All right, well, here's the deal in week one, he was awesome and nobody was using him. So, week two, obviously, everybody decided to hop on the Carl's high bandwagon. And I think that a lot of people didn't watch the game or didn't see exactly what happened. He started out the game pretty well, and then he wound up getting hurt. And by the time, you know, he was good. They actually said he he would have came back into the game in the second half, except for the fact that it was such a blowout by that point in time. They were like, why are we going to risk this guy? Because he's basically the only running back they have healthy at the moment that, you know, can actually pick up some yards and do some things. Um, With Reggie Bush still out this week, you know, I think it's going to be the same thing. You're going to see a lot of volume for Hyde. You're going to see a lot of carries for him. 
He can make some plays in the passing game, so he's going to be out there catching a few passes as well. And again, you know, like I said with the ownership thing, week one, nobody was on him. He played awesome. Week two, everybody was on him and he played horrible. So now in week three, I think everybody's going to be like, oh, forget about him. He screwed me last week. And you're going to wind up getting a guy who's going to get a ton of volume, a ton of touches, and you're going to get him at a lower ownership rate than he should be. I don't love the price. I think 7800 is a little bit expensive. Um, but at the same point in time, if he's going to get, you know, 18 to 25 touches in this game, it's not that bad, that price. Yeah, I think that's I like Carlos Hyde there. I think there's he is the focal point of the of the San Francisco 49ers offense and they're going to need him to be an integral part in the running game and, he, and in the passing game as well in order for them to have any sort of success against Arizona. So, I I like that there. You definitely performed like an RB1 and a and a top tier one at that. Um so the only concern here is if if uh, the Cardinals get up on them is that if they have to, you know, shift into the passing game in the second half because we know um from in week two against Pittsburgh, which to me is not a great defense by any stretch of the imagination uh, there, or, you know, maybe, but their offenses are quite similar in Arizona and Pittsburgh in terms of, you know, being able to score a a good, good volume, good amount of uh, points is that the Niners get taken out of the run game in the second half. So I have a little bit of concern there. I was also a little bit concerned about him um, missing the second half of the injury, but he did practice in full on Wednesday. So uh, it looks like he's good to go. That there isn't too much concern on that front. Having said that, if for any reason he pops up with a um, additional, like setback and sort of that and Jared Hayne to me is going to be an auto play, uh, given the price on FanDuel there. I'm taking a look at him, Hayne right now. Um, uh, let's see here. If I can dig him up. Is he not listed in the, in the, in the, in, uh, on FanDuel? Hmm, let me see here. Maybe I'm I not spelling his name wrong. Uh, he is 4,500 mid price. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Had to slide all the way to the bottom. Um, so yeah, he, to me, autoplay, I'll, I'll lock him up in, in cash and GPPs there as well. If, uh, for, for whatever reason, Carlos Hyde sits out, but it looks like Carlos Hyde is going to be ready to roll here, uh, for week three. Another guy I want to talk to you here, uh, sliding down the list is pretty interesting coming off of, uh, the week two performance from Matt Jones. And the way he performed versus Alfred Morris. Now, Jeff Erickson has Alfred Morris ranked 14th, believe it or not, uh, ahead of Matt Jones, uh, who, who he has 21st at all. Now, what does this mean for you in terms of uh, DFS? Do you agree with that ranking? Would you prefer? Um, now, g- granted, these rankings, too, aren't necessarily for DFS. These, these are just season-long. We're just using them as a reference point. And so, but even though they're, they may be... Um, in one format or the other, I think the the analysis applies the same way. You know, he's saying if he had to choose between one, he'd be playing Alfred Morris. Obviously, he ranked him higher. Now, you have to factor in the price, obviously, on Fanduel for for this situation here. But uh, what's your take? Would you rather have Jones or you have Morris? Do you want to avoid this matchup? What's the play here? Well, I don't want to avoid the matchup. Um, I think that the Giants' run defense isn't all that great. So I think that, you know, looking at running backs against the Giants on, uh, you know, Thursday night is not the worst thing in the world to do. Now, Alfred Morris, I know Jones had a huge week last week. And honestly, if you watch this guy run in the preseason, you know, it's kind of like the same situation with Arizona to me. You know, we all know that David Johnson is probably the more talented back there. Just like if you watch Matt Jones run, you could probably say that Matt Jones is the more talented back. But it still comes down to who's getting the carries. It doesn't matter who's more talented. I mean, look at a, a guy like Amir Abdullah, too, with Detroit. You know, 
these guys are all probably the more talented back, but they're all the guys who are still getting less volume, less touches, less carries, you know, less basically snaps, less time on the field. So I still think as of now, until I see a change, Alfred Morris is still their number one. Whether or not, you know, Matt Jones ran better last week, whether or not David Johnson ran better last week. So I think I have to agree with with Jeff here. Until I see them give Matt Jones the lion's share of the carries, it's still Alfred Morris as the the starting running back. And Morris is a big, strong kind of guy. So I still think he's going to get the goal line work, which, again, on Fandle, is something that you really want. You want the guy who's going to get the goal line work because those touchdowns are so important. So I think I would have to agree with them that Morris is ahead of Jones. I don't know if it'll stay that way for the entire year, but um, as long as Morris is the guy who's the bell cow, he's the guy that I would rank a little bit higher. So I'd have to agree. Here's the other issue that you have, too. With Matt Jones priced 6400 on FanDuel, Alfred Morris priced at 6600 you aren't getting like a significant enough of a discount mm-hmm. for you to be really interested in Matt Jones. You're like, well, okay, Matt Jones may be the less optimal play, but I'm, you know, I'm going to be able to roll salary into my other positions that are going to increase my overall ceiling. So that's just not the case here. So you really have to be confident in Matt Jones if that's the guy you're playing because you're really only going to save 200 bucks. So I think it's a position that I'm just going to fade between the two. I try not to play timeshares um, as much as possible in, in DFS because there are situations like Carlos Hyde and Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell, for that matter. You know, obviously those are type top price guys, but you can slide down there, uh, down the pole in terms of prices, and take a look at guys like Chris Ivory and the lot where you know they have the line share of the carries and they're you know not coming off the field on third downs, uh, like this situation here. So mid-priced guy, not expensive but not cheap enough for me to be terribly interested and um you know jeff erickson's uh, rankings reflect that on matt jones 21st overall here um let's talk about some of these other cheaper options that you have going uh in your uh, dfs lineups here for week three well the one guy who i really really like a lot this week is going to be uh latavius murray from oakland uh cleveland gave up a ton of yards in week one to chris ivory so this is definitely a defense that you can run against um, Murray is a guy who is basically, you know, he, I don't even, there isn't even really somebody who's challenging him for carries at this point. Last game, he had all the carries for this team except for two. So he is getting the lion's share of the work for the running back work for the Oakland team. He was on the field for about 78% of their snaps last week. Um, he catches passes, so he's, you know, even on the field when they're in passing situations. And the thing that's really hurt him so far through the first couple games is they haven't really had a good game script for him to keep running. They've had to abandon the run a little bit. Um, And I think that this game is going to be close with Cleveland. It's going to be a little more of like a field position game. Uh, Probably very low scoring if you look at the Vegas lines and what they're expecting out of it. So if it's going to be a low scoring game where field position matters, you got to think the run game is going to be pretty important. And for me, that means that Murray's going to be, uh, you know, a big part of it. And the thing I love the most about him is his price. Only $7,000 is pretty cheap for me. So I think I'm going to have a lot of uh, Latavius Murray in my lineups this week. Yeah, that's a good cost savings there as well. And you know that, just like we said, that you don't have to mess around with a, a timeshare here with Latavius Murray. He's, he's active um, in the passing game. He's going to be on the field on third down. And, you know, uh, Cleveland did a, a, a a fairly good job overall with Bishop Sankey and um, 
Terrence West uh, not really getting anything done, but they did give up some um, some bigger runs with Dexter McCluster uh, getting the uh, you know around the corner to the outside there, and we know that Latavius Murray has that sort of outside running breakaway speed, so I think that it would be a decent comp for him to to uh, uh, roll into your lineups with a, with a with a fairly safe floor overall. So we'll see. Um, how that ends up playing out there. I- I'm interested in Latavius Murray, but I think it's going to just be GPP only for me for the most part there. I would have liked him more if he was playing in Oakland. Um, but I know Joseph Randall here is another guy uh, for 6,500 that makes uh, a strong case. I think a much bigger case for me to be in a lot more of my cash game GPP lineups, especially given the uh, Tony Romo situation here. So um, really quickly, any reason why you wouldn't run Joseph Randall in cash over GPP? Um, I mean, I, I like him. Basically, there's three guys that people are looking at at 6,500 this week. It's going to be him, Devonta Freeman, and James Stark if Eddie Lacy is out. Right. Uh, I don't think we're going to get news in time, um, you know, before Sunday, before we have to lock this up. Definitely not before tonight when we have to lock them up for the Thursday games. Mm-hmm. So that kind of takes Stark out of the equation for me. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to chance that. Mm-hmm. And I watched Devonta Freeman last week, and I know he's going to get a lot of carries and a lot of touches, but he's just not a very good running back. So I think Randall has that great offensive line in front of him to run behind, and I think they're going to have to lean on him in this game. So I would have absolutely no problem with it. He he would probably be the guy at that $6,500 price range that I rolled out as well. Yeah, I totally agree there as well. You probably need to try to limit Brandon Whedon's um, passing attempts whenever possible in order to keep him from throwing interceptions there and you know that they have a uh, a significantly less effective uh offense there with des bryant out with a injury up until like what week 10 or so now and now with jason Wynn, who looks like he's practicing and going to play but i bet you he's most likely not going to be playing at 100 percent after he suffered two ankle injuries um and a uh, knee injury in week two there so really not high on the passing game and I, I don't believe the jerry jones talk and all that stuff they're saying they're just going to go you know can stick with their, their their normal balanced offense they need to go heavy run game here the one fact that you don't get with uh joseph randall there is he does come off the field for um lance dunbar in third down passing situations uh which you don't necessarily like but i think there's just going to be so many touches available and I, th- I really do see something more like a 60 40 run game split maybe more um given this matchup and uh they're, uh, you know, a, a less than stellar opponent on, on defense for the Dallas Cowboys there. So I definitely will have some shares of Joseph Randall here in week three. Uh, one more uh, situation that I want to talk about from uh, the running back perspective, perspective here is about the Rams uh, and their running back mess here. You've had Benny Cunningham, who's been in the mix here uh, to start the season. Trey Mason uh, finally practicing, getting healthy. And now, once again, Todd Gurley is a game-time situation. Is there any reason to be interested in anybody in this spot, uh, given the price tag? I mean, some people are debating on whether or not they can think uh, Gurley can be like a a sneaky GPP play here in Week 3. What's your thoughts? Well, I want to make sure that he's going to be in first because they're saying that he's probably going to play, but it's still not definite yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched this guy play in college last year. He he's a he's explosive. Um, you know, he he very likely could have been the Heisman Trophy winner if he didn't get hurt and he stayed healthy last year. So you know, the guy has talent. Um, I also think that Trey Mason has talent too, though. I mean, if you remember last year, he had a couple big games running the ball. Um, he did not look all that great last week coming back from injury, though. And Benny Cunningham is still seeing some carries and still seeing some work in the passing game, too. So I think you basically said it best when you said it's just a mess over there. 
And I'm going to be staying away from it just because I, I have no clarity. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I feel like the Rams don't have any idea what's going to happen either. You know, if Mason goes out there and rips off a couple big runs early, I feel like they'll keep feeding him. If he goes out there and has a subpar start to the game and Gurley is, you know, going to be active, I think they'll put him in there and let him get a bunch of runs. I feel like one way or another, everybody's going to get a couple touches. And when you have three guys that are all going to get touches, that means that none of them are going to be a fantasy play for me because you're not going to get enough volume out of any of them to really see that big upside. Maybe one of them breaks a big run for a touchdown. But if you're asking me which one of those guys, I have absolutely no idea. I'm agreeing with you there as well. Too many mouths to feed, and you don't feel comfortable enough about Gurley, which I would obviously like best, for being a, that it's his first week, and for him to like even get, I don't, if he gets more than if he gets 15 touches or above, I'd be surprised. Uh, yes. So that's and then you take a look at the price on Fanduel, 6,300. I really need that to be under 5K for me to be like, okay, home run upside play if Gurley just decides to take two to the house or gets two mm-hmm. red zone carries that, that he ends up cashing in on. So too cost prohibitive for me. I'll definitely be in a, in the uh, Devontae Freeman, Joseph Randall range for around the same price uh, in the 6,500 um, you know, price area. All right, so that's going to cover the uh, the running backs that, we, uh, that we're mostly looking at here uh, for week three. Now let's go ahead and dig into some wide receivers. Uh, here um talk let's talk about some cash games some anchor plays for you uh coming into week three all right well obviously the the guy on the top of the list for me again this week is going to be antonio brown um talked about him last week talked about how he's a very tough guy to game plan against he catches those passes close to the line he can catch passes down the field um basically he's averaging right now nine catches per game about 150 yards and a touchdown so far Sees double-digit targets every game, plays in a game with a high over-under here. And, um, you know, even though Big Ben lets Le'Veon Bell get a lot of the yards between the 20s, Le'Veon Bell doesn't really score a lot of touchdowns. So when they get down into the red zone, you know, Big Ben looks to throw the ball. I mean, he had some games last year where he threw four or five, six touchdowns, I think, one game. Um, and when he's throwing that often, you know, especially without Martavius Bryant back now, you know, Antonio Brown is going to be the guy who's going to see a lot of those targets, along with Heath Miller. But um, I could see another touchdown coming here for Brown. He basically has, I think, like six catches um, as a minimum in every game last season. So you know he's going to get some catches. And he's also a guy that racks up the yards. So, again, to me, I mean, Antonio Brown is almost a staple of my cash games every week. And I don't see it being any different this week. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for, uh, for your for you overall. It's one A and one B for me between uh, Antonio Brown and Julio, and then you've got a close close second there with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, at, you know, in, in terms of uh, pricing overall, you really just can't go around. Now, the only issue that you really have with Antonio Brown for the time being is uh, how much price are you going to be able to stomach with this guy here? Because he's a, a pre- approaching. Uh, his top salary point from the the back half of last season. So I wonder how much higher FanDuel can raise a price above 9300. 9300 was his peak um, last season there. So you are absolutely having to pay top dollar, and it doesn't sound like a ton, but when you go down to mm-hmm. you know 9k for Julio Jones or even 8400 for Demarius Thomas, which to me is like a value play when you when you take a look at um, uh, Antonio Brown, is the ceiling higher? Um, for um, or you know the floor, uh, the consistency level higher for Antonio Brown, I think certainly so, um, because Demarius Thomas uh, has to contend with people like Emmanuel Sanders, where Antonio Brown really doesn't. So that's the you know the difference in in, in the in the cost 
uh, between those guys. But to me, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, 1A and 1B, I would love to have them both, but you probably can't unless you're going to go straight up punt at running back. Um, but uh, if I had to choose one, I guess, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to try to roll Antonio Brown in a few more laps and Julio, but it really doesn't make too much of a difference because I think they're both absolute monsters there. All right, so let's talk about uh, slotting down the line here into two, into tier two. Uh, who else should we be taking a look at uh, in terms of wide receivers uh, that we need to use? Well, a little bit below those guys. I do also like Manny Sanders still. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is probably my favorite wide receiver on the Broncos right now. Uh, Demarius Thomas just hasn't played well to start the season. And the thing I like about Sanders is he runs a lot of those short routes, um, which means that they're easy throws for Peyton Manning to make, which is... A pretty big deal if you've watched Peyton play so far this year. Now, the other thing I like about Sanders is in the second half of that game against KC, I think they finally figured out what they were doing wrong so far this year. You cannot have Peyton Manning under center at this point in his career because by the time he takes a three or five step drop, you know, the three or four second clock that you have as a quarterback to get the ball out there, it takes him that long to make those steps at this point in his career. If you let him sit back in the shotgun like they did in the second half of that game against KC, He's able to look over the field, catch the ball, turn, and make that quick throw right away to wherever he sees the uh, the mismatch. And a lot of times that mismatch is going to be Sanders because he does get off the ball so fast and he does create that space. And at this point in his career, Peyton Manning needs that window, needs that space. So he's very comfortable throwing the ball to Sanders in that situation. Uh, Sanders has eight catches a game so far. Um, He does have low yardage because a lot of his catches are close to the line of scrimmage. He's not a guy who's going deep and getting, you know, deep passes thrown to him. But he runs a lot of those slants. He gets a lot of the balls there. The only way he'll have a huge yardage game is if he catches like a slant, breaks a tackle, and and takes it for like 40 or 50 yards. Um, But again, he's going to wind up with probably seven to nine catches in this game, somewhere between 50 and 80 yards. And if he adds a touchdown in there for you, you know, he's basically going to pay off the value that you need him to. So I think I really like Sanders. I got to be honest, though, I don't love him because there are a couple guys we're going to talk about that are a little cheaper who I would rather save the money on and take. But he is also a pretty solid option for me. Um, probably somebody who is going to be in my cash game lineups if I don't have enough money to pay up for Brown, who's getting a little bit expensive. And I'll probably sprinkle him in a couple of my uh, couple of my tournament rosters, but not a ton of them. All right, that, that makes some sense for me there as well. I, I, I like Emmanuel Sanders, but um, I, I could almost make as much of a case too for Demarius Thomas uh, as a as a red zone threat uh, as Emmanuel Sanders there. I think they're just you, you. It's tough for you to to decide which one that you want to use, and I feel like you um, either one of them could be like you know the week where they go off. So it's just it's almost like a running back timeshare to me. But they're still very 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 solid options. And I feel like on a just like a a straight you know, receiving and PPR basis, maybe Emmanuel Sanders is a safer guy to 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 rack up, you know, you know, five to seven or eight catches versus Demary yeah. Tom, Demaryius Thomas. But Demaryius Thomas should be and 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 you know, as past history and has has contract has demonstrated, is the bigger red zone threat. So um, that's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. For me, taking a look at some of these wide receivers that we uh, need to keep an eye on here. There's an interesting situation here with uh, Andrew Luck. And uh, we, we talked about this a little bit on the on the Wednesday show here. I've, I'm predicting a bounce back for uh, Andrew Luck here in Week Three on the road against Tennessee. And then you have Dante Moncrief who has been super productive to start the season. And then you also have Ty Hilton. Uh, how, what do you make of how this uh, situation should ha- should shake out 
in terms of uh, setting up your lineups because you know obviously if you're going to play the GPP or even Andrew Luck for cash if that's what you want to do, um, you you want to have the him paired up with the the right wide receivers. So which one is it in your mind? For for me, it's a very easy answer, and the answer is Dante Moncrief. Um, basically, T. Y. Hilton is still banged up; he's not a hundred percent right now. And Andre Johnson to me is just he he's not even in the in the picture anymore. Moncrief is basically the number one wide receiver in Indy right now. And Luck trusts him. I mean, he's been throwing at him. He's been giving him a lot of targets. And this is a guy who was basically just looking for an opportunity. When he came out of college, you know, he had all the measurables. He was a, you know, a star of the of the camp and all that stuff. And he's just been waiting for his chance to break in. And the other thing you really got to remember about this situation is they played on Monday night this week. So the pricing for him came out before that Monday night game where he went out and had, you know, basically another big game, had a bunch of catches, uh, wound up having a touchdown in that one, had a whole bunch of yards too. Moncrief's price today on FanDuel is only $6,000 for this week. That is extremely, extremely cheap for a guy who's going to be the number one wide receiver. And like I said, I agree completely with what you said. Andrew Luck has made a living of absolutely demolishing everybody that they play when they play in conference. They have one of the weakest conferences in the entire NFL this year. And the other thing, too, is I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass for the beginning of the season because Buffalo and New York Jets are both very, very good defenses. I don't think Tennessee is anywhere near the same level as those two defenses. So I think Luck's going to have a bounce-back game here, and I think uh, Moncrief is going to be his top receiver, the guy who gets the most targets in this situation. So of those two, if I'm choosing between Moncrief and T.Y. Hilton, I'm still going Moncrief right now. I think I have to go with Moncrief there as well. The healthy receiver and the more productive receiver between the two has a similar profile in terms of like body type and the type of you know player that he's um, you know performing on the field with T.Y. Hilton there. And it's reflective in uh, Jeff Erickson's rankings as well. 12 for, Mo- for Moncrief overall. 20, oh, I'm sorry, 19 for T.Y. Hilton. So he has the same injury concerns uh, that you do at this position there. So if we're not using um, T.Y. Hilton, but you may be using uh, uh, Dante Moncrief there, um, who else do we need to consider there in that second uh, tier here among wide receivers? Any other guys that we need to um, be booking into our lineup to our flex spot? Well, there's one guy who we we skipped over a little bit in that middle range who is going to be in every one of my lineups, whether it's GPP this week or a cash game lineup, and that's Brandon Marshall of the Jets. Uh, this is just too cheap for him at 7400 You got no Eric Decker in this game. It's a high total game. They're playing Philadelphia, so it's a fast pace. I think you're going to see a lot of passing and a lot of scoring here. And he is one of the best matchups that you can have in all of football right now. Um, matched up against Byron Maxwell for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Maxwell has allowed a 158 passer rating to quarterbacks who have thrown at him so far this year. Now, if you know anything about quarterback ratings, that's close to perfect. So basically, if you're a quarterback, you want to throw at this guy as often as you can because so far this year, it's done nothing but yield good results. So Marshall is a guy who I still think, I mean, think about it. He was a top five pick in most uh, season-long fantasy drafts a year or two ago. And all of a sudden now, he's probably like the 12th to 15th highest uh, priced uh, wide receiver in this situation. They're playing in a paced-up game. I mean, everything just kind of comes together to look like this is going to be another big game for Brandon Marshall. And at 7400 he's very easy on the salary, very easy to fit in there. And I think he makes a whole lot of sense. So I am going to have him probably in every single roster I make this weekend. And it's not just because I'm a Jet fan. 
<laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I'm going to uh, help you out here. There, Brandon Marshall, uh, ranked third overall uh, in terms of uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup. Uh, in terms of advantage rating matched up against the sieve known as Byron Maxwell so far there. So Pro Football Focus loves him. You love him. Uh, Jeff Erickson has some love for him over uh, as well, too, but not as much love as Dante Moncrief. He's 13th right behind Dante Moncrief there. But if it's for, for me personally, um, I think I would probably go with, uh, with Brandon Marshall over Dante Moncrief. I trust him. I think he's a better red zone threat uh, there as well. And we know that you can score on Philly. Um, as well, so um, I wouldn't ha- mind having shares of either of those players. To uh, to be honest with you, if you take a look at the the price on Moncrief for Fanduel, you do get a significant discount. That's the the upside there, and maybe that's why I would uh, sort of agree with Jess' rankings. Um, if you're looking at it from a DFS perspective, there six K for Moncrief, seventy four hundred for Marshall. Love, but like we said, we want those touchdowns, and I certainly think the touchdown upside is uh, definitely higher on Marshall with less you know competition uh, in terms of you know, wide receiver quality for uh, the New York Jets versus the Indianapolis Colts. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about these some of these um, either-ors here. We talked about T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief here. Now we have uh, Larry Fitzgerald versus John Brown. I'm just going to quick hit you with these here, and you can tell me, you know, which one you want uh, among the two. John Brown priced on FanDuel at 6 k and if you want to go with Fitz, you have to pay 6700 Who you got? Uh, they both have decent matchups this week. I think Browns is a little bit better against uh, Kenneth Acker. And I think you get the discount on him. And I think you also get lower ownership. So for a tournament, I think I'd go with John Brown. John Brown, I, I agree. Um, and I believe he is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Ranked in the top 12 for a receiver cornerback matchup there as well. All right, next one that we're going to quick hit here. Um, Mike Evans versus VJax. I, I just don't have any faith in Evans right now. So I'm going to go VJax, especially without um, Austin Safarian Jenkins in there. I think VJax is going to be the red zone threat. He's the, you know, not that not that Mike Evans isn't a big receiver and can't go up and get the ball too, but I just, I just don't think he's completely healthy right now. So if I have to choose between those two guys, I'm going to go VJax. But honestly, I don't really want either one of them this week. All right, fair enough. I think that's that's probably the smart play there. They're not terribly enticing, and you don't. I don't want to be on VJAX the week that Mike Evans gets a, a second full week of practice, declares himself healthy, and then finally starts vulturing targets from the two. Because clearly last year you wanted Mike Evans over VJAX, but now I think it becomes like a, a muddled situation overall. Uh, and then the, the the next one I want to talk to you about, uh, last but not least, Keenan Allen versus Stevie Johnson. Uh, Keenan Allen had the monster week one. Stevie Johnson's been the end vote in in the end zone, uh, excuse me, two uh, consecutive weeks here. Where do you go? This one is a lot tougher for me, um, but I think I'm going to say Keenan Allen because I like his matchup against Xavier Rhodes, who basically is not a very good corner in my opinion and in the opinion of you know a lot of other people as well. And I think Allen will be very low-owned because he had a bad game last week. But he had a, a pretty tough matchup last week. I think he had Leon Hall on him for most of the game, and Hall's a pretty good corner. Um, so I think I'd go Keenan Allen here, but I don't hate Stevie Johnson either. And I think he's actually cheaper. So it's tough when you factor in price as well. It's very, very close on this one, but I'm going to give Allen the edge. All right, I'll, um, I'm going to go Stevie. Um and if you take a look at the pricing there, um, that's just my issue here that uh, that really sort of um, puts me in, in the Stevie camp. They're 5,900 on FanDuel. You go to Keenan Allen there. You have- 
you have to pay 7600 for similar production there. So I think you may be getting the better player and and uh you know, but it's not it's not a total lock for one and uh I I can tell you between the two right now who um uh, Philip Rivers prefers in terms of targets because they've both had their share of um, good performances. I think Stevie's been a little bit more consistent, but he has become comes um, at a much deeper discount. So that's going to be the tiebreaker for for me there. And then last but not least, um, at the wide receiver position, I need to know if you're going to be all about the Travis Benjamins here in uh, in week three. I am absolutely sick of getting asked this question this week. <laughs> he has nine targets on the year. Okay, he caught three of them for long touchdowns, which is great. If you want to use him as a GPP flyer, fine. The problem that I have with it is he's not going to be really, really low owned anymore after the last two weeks that he has, because now everybody's looking at him and and talking about him. I mean, the guy's electric. He has amazing speed. He's a punt returner. He can get you a touchdown that way. But he has seen nine targets in two games. And honestly, I don't think Johnny Manziel is starting this week. If everything I heard is right, you're going to have Josh McCown back in there. McCown is starting, yes. Yeah, you know, Johnny's somebody who's going to throw it deep and take that chance. I think McCown's going to play it a little bit safer. I would almost rather have, I would rather have um, Andre Hawkins this week, to be honest with you, than Benjamin. Yes, he he has huge upside and everybody knows his name right now. But do you really want to take the guy that everybody else is going to have? who isn't going to get a lot of targets and is incredibly dependent on catching a long touchdown pass. I know he's done it a couple times in the last two games, but do we think he's going to have 25 touchdowns this year with 25 50-yard passes? Don't you think at some point that teams are going to realize they got to, you know, they got to roll safety over the top and make sure that this I just no, I'm not using Benjamin no. No. All right, fair enough. Um for me, I I, I it's, it definitely sounds like drinking the Kool-Aid. Okay, I'm gonna give you that there, but and and I will grant you that um, all three of his bombs were on uh, Johnny Football tosses, so that that sort of chemistry and concern is real to me. Um, but just taking a look at uh, what you have here, two two points. Okay, corner for Pro Football Focus for Week Three, he has the number one advantage from wide receivers to cornerbacks um, when you look at him matched up in, against Oakland's Nico Thorpe. There, he's um, number one overall. And then if you take a look at the average depth of target. Um, uh, for 2014, he was third behind Brandon Lloyd and Martavis Bryant, uh, and that's like a great indicator of you know uh, fantasy production when you when you see that he's um, you know every, every average depth of target for him was at 19.3 yards. So when they throw it to him, it's down the field for chunks, and so that's going to give him a, a good opportunity for him for him to rack up fantasy yards and hopefully take one to the house. And if you you're looking at Average depth of target for 2015, he's number one among all wide receivers that have 10 targets or more at 21.7 uh, there as well. So we're, I, I think we're talking about, you know, Deshaun Jackson-esque type of player there. Maybe, you know, okay. circa, circa 2010 or 12 or whatever out there in, in Philly there. That's my comp for him. It could be a little bit of boomer bust. I definitely think the quarterback change and the targets are a concern for me. Um, but you only really need them to hit on one or two big plays for him to pay off that price tag at 5600 That's all I'm going to say. Uh, last thing I'm going to say, too, he was in the $2 million uh, lineup uh, there uh, as well for some of these million-dollar um, people um, win a bunch of money here uh, over there in, in week two. Not saying, but I'm saying. Yep. All right. All right, fair enough. Now let's get into some hardcore uh, kicker analysis. Um, we talked about how we need to shift our focus to the, the last three hours of the show uh, for kickers. So here we are. 
Um, what do you got? Break it down. Take me through your process and tell me what you got. Okay. Well, I mean, I was out there basically picking up grass and checking on the wind and, uh, you know, sneaking into practice to watch these guys. I videotaped them a little bit, but they thought I was with the Patriots for a while, so I almost got arrested. <laughs> this but, was, this uh, was that Jets practice? This was that Jets practice, yes. Okay. But one of the guys who I do really like is uh, Nick Folk this week. Um, one of the ways that I try to go about getting kickers when I when I pick my kickers, I try to look for games that are going to have high scores, teams that have high Vegas totals, basically. And the Jets have one of the higher totals on the week. And Folk is one of the cheaper kickers on one of the and one of the teams that has a high total this week. Um, so he's forty six hundred. He's somebody who I think is, is going to be in play. Uh, again, I also like um, Josh Scobie for a similar reason. I think Pittsburgh's going to put up some points. It's a high total game at 48 over there. Um, so he could be busy this week. And the other guy who I really like is uh, Andrew Franks, the rookie from Miami. He's min price at 4500 I think Miami could get stopped a couple times in the red zone or on their drives against that tough Buffalo defense. And I think that he's going to wind up getting a couple field goals in this game. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to punch it in, especially if Lamar Miller is banged up and doesn't play. Uh, I think that they're going to get stopped, and I think that he'll have some chances for field goals. So I don't like paying up all that often for kicker. Um, Frank, Scobie, and Folk are the three guys that I'm looking at this week. I like that play there as well. I'm going to mention really quickly Chandler uh, Catanzaro. They're at home in the Arizona Dome against San Francisco. We've seen that the Arizona Cardinals have been um, basically pretty electric on offense here the first two weeks. Seven touchdown passes for Carson Palmer there. You don't necessarily want all the touchdown passes. You want some field goals there. But like like you said, you want to lead towards some of these higher scoring teams there. And I think Catanzaro definitely has opportunity to do some damage uh, there as well. And I also will take a look at Greg Zerline there. I think this is like a good... Um, situation here where you you know st louis is probably going to be behind they'll have to score some points but they may not necessarily get in the end zone every single time and Zerline has as big of a leg as any kicker in the league so for 4800 kicking at home in the dome for st louis i may have some shares for him for him as well and that is going to uh wrap it up for our kicker analysis here uh, i want to let you know that week two uh in the nfl for FanDuel dfs was pretty exciting they awarded another million dollar winner and now it is your turn to get into the action you've seen the ads your friends are playing and now it's your turn to get signed up at fanduel.com so fanduel.com is the leader in one week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site the money is real and they're paying out over 75 million dollars a week this football season building a team is easy all you have to do is pick your players stay under the standard cap and sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just as low as $1, so anyone can play. You know fantasy football, now prove it at FanDuel. So how did your teams do there in, out there in, in Week 2? Let us know on Twitter at uh, JoshHayesFS and uh, at BennyR11. Let us know who you're l- looking at playing here uh, in Week 3 in FanDuel, and we'll give you some of our best plays like we just did today on this podcast. And if you're ready to get involved in FanDuel, you can click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner on FanDuel.com and use the promo code rwdfs and sign up now special offer for all new users every for every dollar you deposit on fanduel will match it up to 200 bucks and that gets earned as you play that's a bonus of up to 200 dollars so the offer is only good for the first 50 that sign up and use this code rwdfs today don't forget to use the promo code rwdfs fanduel.com where every day is a new season that's f-a-n-d-u-e-l.com sign up today all right, Benny, before we go, I want you to go super deep down the list, off your notes. Give me a prediction here. 
one guy that no like give me your Travis Benjamin for week three. No one no one's on this guy, and you're gonna you're gonna sneak him into one lineup on GPP for like the just in case this guy, um, you know, blows the house down. All right. Well, it's actually not even that far off the board. But the guy who I think is going to go really low owned that could be that sneaky guy that really, really makes somebody some money this week is going to be Deion Lewis from the Patriots. Because everybody is talking about, you know, how like Garrett Blount is going to have this huge game. But I still think that the Patriots are going to run a lot of shotgun. And when they run shotgun, Lewis is the guy that's in there. Whether it's him catching a couple passes out of the backfield or whether he gets a couple runs. I, I just have a feeling that he's still going to have a pretty good game here, and nobody's going to be on him, and I'm just really not sold on on Blunt. And again, you know, it's Russian roulette playing with a, a Patriots running back, but that's how you get a guy that's low-owned that could have huge upside and could really help you win a tournament. All right, my boomer bust play for um, this week, and I'm writing him, I brought him uh, this week at Pro Football Focus here, is Ted Ginn Jr., 5,200 on FanDuel. Boomer bust play. Not a model of consistency, but a lot of upside there. Sort of Travis Benji light. Uh, you know that they've they've they need some wide receiver plays to be made out there, and he could be the one who just you know catches a 60-yard bomb from Cam and takes it to the house. So you don't have to pay too much, and you might get a big payoff if you roll him as a cheap wide receiver option here in Week Three. And that is going to wrap it up for the RotoWire DFS podcast here for September 24th. Don't forget to check out uh, RotoWire and at the DFS podcast on iTunes and Stitcher for your download convenience so you can be sure to give us a rating, a review, and don't forget to subscribe. And you don't forget to follow Benny on Twitter at BennyR11. And you can check me out at on Twitter at JoshHayesFS. Thanks for listening, everybody, and good luck in all your lineups. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.